Military Changemakers is a bi-weekly podcast presented by Partners in Promise. Partners in Promise is a nonprofit dedicated to protecting the rights of military children in special education. Large organizations like the military have learned to love the status quo. But at Partners in Promise, we believe in being disruptive as we have learned that having easy conversations rarely leads to real change in special education or in the military. We are storytellers who aren't afraid to get a little disruptive. Are you a military change maker who wants to hear more disruptive stories? Consider sponsoring an episode of Disruptive Storytelling, and together we can work to combat stigma within the military. For more information, email info at partnersinpromise.org and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to Disruptive Storytelling with Military Changemakers. I'm your host, Jennifer Barnhill, and we are continuing on our data series and talking with another amazing uh, researcher from one of our favorite organizations at Partners in Promise, Secure Families Initiative. Today, I am joined by Janessa Schillmuller, and she is going to talk to us about some important information surrounding the political process and voting. And just a little background on Janessa. We have her here today. She is a global educator, writer, and facilitator who works with organizations to develop programs that transcend borders and inspire critical leadership for a more just world. She leads the Voter Focus Group Project at Secure Families Initiative, an organization that elevates military spouses and family members as uniquely qualified advocates and organizers on matters of foreign policy. Well, that is a mouthful, but I'm so excited to have you coming on uh, to talk with us about some of, um, a little bit about the political intersection with military family community. So thanks so much. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. I'm really excited to be here on behalf of SFI. So yeah, I've been involved with Secure Families Initiative for the past two years. I'm mostly involved with the civic engagement trainings that our organization does, and I'm specifically working on the voter focus group project, which I'll be talking about today. As you mentioned, my background is is sort of forged at the intersection of international relations and multicultural education, and I've worked in academic settings and nonprofits, as well as with libraries on programs that bring people together in conversations about uh, how to be better leaders in the world. So yeah, I'm calling in from the DC area right now. My spouse is in the Air Force. We recently PCS to the DC area where we're both actually studying Arabic ahead of our upcoming move to the Middle East. So my background. Wow, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, we're really excited. And so it's a kind of a fun opportunity for us to, to engage in our hobbies together in this environment. So. That's so great. And and I would love to, you know, this, this season of our podcast, we're really deep, deep diving into data, but can you, I know we, I mentioned a little bit about what SFI does. Can you kind of like high view it for us of what, how people might have encountered SFI in the past? 
Yeah, so SFI is a nonpartisan organization. We're really dedicated to elevating the voices of military spouses and family members on matters of foreign policy. We really believe that military spouses and families know firsthand the impact that decisions on war and peace can have on our communities, which is why we work to train spouses on how to share their stories and advocate for issues that are most important to them. And so we believe like a critical part of elevating voices of military families focuses on elections and making sure that you have access to voting and the ballot box, uh, which is why we're so dedicated to increasing access and information about military family voting ties into our broader mission. Yeah. And so that's kind of what, you know, how we intersect today with this conversation. Can you give um, a little context of the collection data collection process and and how you how you got to some of these findings and, and maybe even just the backstory of what you were trying to understand about our population and voting. Yeah. So in this past fall, SFI launched a voter focus group project because we wanted to start thinking about how we're going to get information out about the midterm elections, make sure that military spouses have access to voting. But we've seen through other data through the Federal Voting Assistance Program that military voters have a 14% lower registration rate than the general population and a 27% lower participation rate in elections than the general population. And we also know that there's been information um, published by other organizations about how service members and veterans have been targeted by disinformation campaigns. Recently in 2020, the House Veterans Affairs Committee actually published a report exclusively on exploitation of veterans through disinformation campaigns on social media. But we don't have as much information about military spouses and family members, and we feel like this is a big gap in the information that's available. So we really wanted to start a focus group project and introduce a survey to the broader community to get a pulse on what concerns and misinformation might exist among military spouse voters. And we're hoping that the data that we collected will help drive our outreach and information that we that we put out ahead of the midterms this year. Well, that's that's great. I, I know, you know, from our our organization at Partners in Promise, we know that there are gaps in data, especially when it re- relates to the military family as compared to the service members. So thank you so much for, for collecting this information. What were some of your key takeaways from, from these focus groups? And can you give a high view and then maybe dive right in and tell us some of the details? Yeah, so we put out a survey based on some of the information we were hearing from our focus group members about the concerns they had around voting. And we wanted to gain an understanding of confidence in the election and uh, also different concerns that people have about why they might participate or not participate in voting. So we interviewed uh, spouses across five different branches. Most of our respondents were spouses of active duty service members. And we also had some different spouses of veterans or retired service members. Some of our key takeaways, we found out that uh, 56% of our respondents expressed high confidence across the board in regards to the electoral process. And so that's great to know. We want to see high confidence, but we'd really like to see 100% confidence. Yeah. So so we did see that. uh, And what was really interesting is that 71% of respondents believe that the mail-in process, mail-in voting is just as secure as in-person voting. But we also found that 52%, only 52% of those respondents expressed confidence that their ballot was actually counted. And so that was sort of a, an interesting finding for us. And we wanted to know why is there a disconnect between having confidence that the mail-in process is secure and many military families and spouses vote either mail-in or absentee, yet why was there a lack of confidence that the votes actually counted? Because <laughs> we want to make sure 
know their vote is counted. Absolutely. And, and when, so this was from the survey itself, you know, did you get any takeaways from the focus groups Did that might explain, or did you get to find out some of the answers to those, to those questions or any suspicion? Do you have any idea of why you think those, there is that disconnect? Yeah, so we, we actually included some spaces for people to give some qualitative responses as well to help us figure out where this uh, where these numbers might be coming from. 35.9% of respondents disagreed that their ballot was counted. They didn't believe that their ballot was counted in every election. And our findings suggest that there is some mistrust and misinformation about the absentee process. Uh, including issues with registration, getting your ballot on time, and especially around ballot tracking. And so some of the responses we heard talked about not being able, a lot of, well, not a few of the responses we got talked about not knowing how to track online or not being able to track if their ballot was submitted. Because when you do vote uh, absentee or mail-in, you should be able to log into the election website and it should indicate for you whether your ballot has been received. It should also register when your ballot has been counted. So, so there seemed to be some misinformation there because you should be able to do that. But some of the responses, one person said that until recently in Texas, I couldn't track my mail-in ballot to know if it had arrived at the county election office. And so since mail-in ballots are last to be counted, I have no idea if mine was ever actually opened. And that was concerning to us because we feel like you should be able to track that. And maybe we're not getting the information out there that that's an available service for people to see. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it is disconcerting. Um, I know that as someone who's lived abroad and had a vote absentee pretty much in every election myself, I, I, I have always wondered how that works. Do you think that there is an increase in, in that transparency in the recent years, especially with, you know, with COVID, I imagine that that you're all are tracking how this might change looking going forward. But, you know, is there any implications of, of these numbers or findings or any takeaways for you? Yeah, I think it's important for us to make sure we get our messaging out there to help inform people about how to track and go online. And also something that the Secure Families Initiative is doing through our Military Vote Coalition, which is a group of different organizations that are working to increase access to elections. We're going to be hosting a, an interview Q&A session with the Federal Voting Assistance Program representative later in, in March. And so we're hoping we can give more information and get those questions answered with the representative and also highlight if people are having issues with uh, the county election offices, that's something that we're tracking as well because we do do outreach to the election offices uh, in the fall around election time. That is great. And I know we'll link to some of the resources in our show notes for anyone who you know wants to connect and, and learn more. But you know, I know that you had had a few other findings as well. And my my question, and I know a lot of people I'm sure are wondering how does it break down across political parties or is there any difference, you know, when it comes to, you know, recent events, you know, we can't not talk about politics when we're talking about voting, right? So is there a difference or are people confident across different Republican, Democrat? Does it matter? Yeah. So one of the questions that we asked in our survey asked participants or respondents to tell us if their confidence in the election has increased or decreased or stayed the same over the last two years. We did find that over half of our respondents felt that they had either increased confidence or their confidence had remained high, which is good to know that there is some relatively high confidence over the last two years. We also saw that 30% of our respondents expressed low 
confidence or decrease in confidence in the electoral process over the last two years. And so when we broke that down and looked at some of the qualitative responses we were receiving, it, it indicated that those responses were seen across the board on both sides of the political divide, so to speak. There was generally a sense of fatigue and frustration with the political division in the country. It was almost like that political division <laughs> brought people from both sides together, but maybe not an increased confidence like we'd like to see. It was more of a decrease in confidence. And so that's definitely concerning to us. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can say the fatigue is a real thing. That was, you know, no matter where you stand, I think that, you know, you want to have confidence regardless of like how tired you might be or, or how annoyed you might be with the, with the jar, you know, the stuff that's going on on the news, but the confidence, that's something that you would hope wouldn't be shaken by those types of events. So that, that's interesting to find. Right. Yeah. And so we saw uh, one of the responses we got was that the aftermath of the 2020 elections made them feel more uncomfortable and that they would love to, one of the respondents said they would love to see changes made to make voting easier and more accessible to all eligible voters and that they were to make sure that the election results are secure and not susceptible to political ploys to maintain majorities. So that was one of the responses. And another response we got said that there was enough they believed that there was enough anecdotal evidence of very questionable events in certain swing states that may have influenced the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. Beyond that, I strongly believe in the need for voter ID and disagree with ballot harvesting and the use of unattended drop boxes. So that was a response from another respondent that we got. And so both of those to me suggested that they might be coming from different political standpoints, but both felt like they had decreased in confidence. And so we want to make sure that as SFI we're providing enough information about how does how does the voting process work, what security measures are in place so that people can feel confident and understand the process. Yeah. Well, I know another another question that you asked was asking if there were barriers and challenges to voting and participating. You know, it sounds like what you just said that there's the confidence is is not exactly high on both sides of the spectrum, but did you when you saw those responses, were, were people experiencing challenges or did they feel that they were experiencing challenges overall as a military community? Yeah, we definitely saw a lot of barriers to participation in the elections. And that's something that's been seen in other results of surveys uh, that, that tackle this issue as well. And over 50%, so I think almost 53% of respondents said that they have experienced barriers or challenges to voting. And in some of the responses for qualitative responses we got talked about people either not receiving their ballot, having timing issues with the mail service, especially overseas voters, not being able to get their ballots submitted in time. And that also was reflected in the decrease of confidence of saying, I never even received my ballot, so how can I feel confident in the electoral process? And that's a definite concern that we have. Uh, we also kind of wanted to pick up though, because we were trying to look at misinformation or misunderstandings in the community, we were trying to figure out those barriers might've been impacted in a misunderstanding. So for instance, uh, one respondent said that living outside the US, they were only eligible to vote federally. And we know that that's not true for most people living abroad, especially if you're stationed abroad at a military facility, uh, you're still able to vote in your local home of record or your local residency. So you shouldn't be forbidden from participating in those local elections. Absolutely. Another response told us that they were denied an absentee ballot because they had never voted in person 
and that shouldn't be happening to our military service members or their families either, uh, because you do have protections to be able to vote even when you're abroad. So we wanna make sure that we're addressing that misinformation that's out there and getting information out there of how to actually register and get your, your voice heard. So I love that you kind of clarified a little, you know, without me even asking, but now, um, I wanna clarify even further, you know, when you use the term misinformation, it's, it's not, you know, I think sometimes with the political atmosphere, sometimes we think of that as like maybe people sitting around a table, you know, spreading disinformation or, you know, someone from another country hacking in and, and trying to confuse and disrupt. What is, is when you use the term misinformation, what different types of misinformation are you referring to so we can kind of understand that? Yeah, I'm trying to be better about how we, we figure out these terms because they do get a little confusing. You've got misinformation, disinformation. I've been trying to use maybe misunderstanding. It probably covers multiple areas, right? It's it, there. You could be confused in many ways, but in your survey, what were you kind of driving for, forward at and, and, and where do those differences come up? Yeah, so I think when, when I think of misinformation, I'm thinking of information that is untrue inaccurate information that is spread either on purpose or not on purpose. I think misinformation doesn't necessarily have to have like a bad intention behind it, but it's just information that's not accurate that's being put out there that people are believing. And so that might be more like a misunderstanding where it, the information is not accurate, but you think it's true, even though no one's trying to like spread a disinformation campaign to use that like in a harmful way. <laughs> but then disinformation is sort of a subset of targeted misinformation that's meant to cause harm. And that is not as much covered in our survey right here, because I think that's a little bit harder for us on, a, on our scale to assess. I, in the future, we would love to, to use this as a starting point to dive deeper into figuring out, are there targeted disinformation campaigns within the military spouse voter community. Uh, and so we're hoping this will be sort of a jumping point for a broader study in the future on that topic. Well, yeah, absolutely. I know, I know for our research, it's like getting the findings just opens the, the can of worms into what else you might want to understand more about, you know, down the road. So completely understand. Um, you know, I know at SFI, you are all about solutions as well. So, you know, looking at that you know, we talk a little bit about what you're doing to, to work on some of the findings. Big picture, how can you and, and other organizations that are in this community help correct some of the, the issues that you saw from these findings? Yeah, so that's a great question. We want to make sure we're using this information to make improvements and make voting more accessible for our communities. And so we're actually taking the findings of this survey to our focus group project. And so we've been meeting since last fall with a small focus group and, and just trying to figure out what can we do in our messaging to get information out there in the fall for the midterms and address these issues. And how can we respond to people who have these concerns in our local networks? So when you're part of our research looked at what is, where are you most likely to talk about voting and election issues in your communities? And most people said overwhelmingly in person with friends and family and, and or on direct messaging with people on social media. And so we wanted to work with our focus group to come up with some potential responses when you might hear information that military ballots don't get counted. 
how can we respond and let people know that actually they are counted and here's how we know that and here's where you can get more information. So we're working to come up with some resources to put out in the fall. And uh, we're also gonna be doing, as I mentioned, the, the upcoming session with the Federal Voting Assistant Program to get all those Q and A's answered in our community. And that will be a live event. So if you're interested in attending, that will be on March 15th. And if you can't attend in person or live, it's going to be recorded and published for you to access afterwards. Well, great. Hopefully we'll get this episode out before then so people can attend. But if not, I'm sure they'll grab our, the link from the show notes to uh, listen. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm excited, you know, to, you know, kind of equip myself because it sounds like this really does fall to the individual, you know, when you hear someone saying something that's not true, it, it, it really almost you know, yes, it is a corporate, something we can work on corporately, but, you know, individually as well. So thank you. Yeah. And I also want to mention that when we looked at the, in in the decrease in confidence, we also had about 9% of our respondents said that they had an increase in confidence in the election. And what we indicated from those responses was that having information available and learning about how the votes are counted, about how mail-in voting works, that information actually led to the increase in confidence for other respondents. And so that's why we're so focused on making sure we can get accurate information out there. And, and to let people know, like we're we're not trying, we're a nonpartisan organization. We just want you to understand how the process works and find ways for military families to get involved so that they can feel confident and make their own choices about voting. Well, absolutely. So thank you so much for, for joining today and for sharing uh, the results of your research. I like to conclude with, you know, kind of kicking it back over to you to, to see if there's anything we didn't get to cover that you think our listeners need to hear either about the findings themselves or how they can get involved and, you know, plug in to understand either more about SFI or just, you know, getting involved in the political process themselves. Yeah, I mean, we, we just want to extend the opportunity if you are someone who has experienced problems with voting, if you've got unanswered questions or uh, anything that you think we can provide more clarity on, please reach out to us because we're here to help. And you can also go to our website to sign up for live alerts and updates customized for your voting reminders about the upcoming primaries and uh, upcoming elections this fall. So definitely go to our website and sign up for reminders. And uh, we're all about helping military spouses share their stories and advocate for issues that are important to you. So please reach out if you have a, a story that you want us to highlight, or if you'd like to get involved with our voter focus group project, you can also reach out to us through our social media. Well, thank you, Janessa, for coming and, and sharing with us. And, you know, this just resonates at Partners in Promise. We know that we're also, you know, not involved in the political, you know, process, but we do know how important it is for our families individually to be involved because that's how advocacy works. We we uh, have to be plugged into our communities um, and involved and active. And so thank you so much for creating those pathways for military families so that we can access the legal right we have to vote and no matter where we are um, and giving us those resources. So thank you. Thank you again, SFI, for coming and, and sharing that. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you like this show, make sure to give us a rating. That would be amazing. Again, thanks, Janessa. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having us, Jennifer. Really excited to be here. Bye, everyone. Do you want to help us tell more disruptive stories? 
consider sponsoring an episode of the podcast. To learn more or ask questions, email info at partnersinpromise.org or connect with us on social media. And don't forget to subscribe today. 